The Living Dead, Skeletons on Parade, Assassin Shots Ringing Out, a Rogue Bond, Foot Chases, and of course, a flight aboard a helicopter. Join us as we decode the pre-title sequence of James Bond's Spectre. Hi, this is Dan Silvestri. And Tom Pizzotto. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com and our special guest, Mike Reyes of CinemaBlend.com, joining us on our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Let's join the Dead on Parade, Inspector. We want to thank you, Mike, for joining us on the show. Thank you, Mike. And welcome. Thank you. All right. After the roar of the tiger, yeah, they didn't like the lion's roar. So even he is dubbed. <laughs> you never know who's dubbed in Hollywood these days. Well, especially on a Bond movie. Yeah. Especially. So we see the tiger's roar and then the Columbia logo. Then we hear the Bond music and then... Then we get the two white dots and the gun barrel moves yeah. from right to left nice. like normal. Yeah. So this is good. Yeah, the first traditional gun barrel for Craig. Yes. Absolutely. So now the fade to black is different and interesting. I mean, the first thing is it's almost like five seconds of blank screen. I like that. And then the words, the dead are alive. <laughs> All right. <laughs> later be ripped off in the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I like the opening because number one, we have the gun barrel sequence up front here. Yay, like Mike said. Terrific. And two. Back to normal. <laughs> yeah. We didn't get past the gun barrel sequence a couple of seconds and we're immediately intrigued. The dead are alive. What? Okay. This is good. Especially after the ending of Skyfall because that could mean anything. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's Absolutely. true. This is what makes this fun. All right. So we get a quick close-up of a cigar-smoking skeleton in a huge parade. And we see the camera pan around the back of the skeleton head and we see people on balconies watching, and then we see Mexico City on the screen. Okay, we're in Mexico at a parade. Don't know exactly why we're there or what, but... But there we are. Now, the cigar-smoking skeletons is actually a big float kind of puppet kind of thing. Yeah. And it's very different than the balloon floats that we have in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City. So he looks like a puppet, and I actually think he's very, very cool. Yeah, I mean, it looks like something you'd see at, a Hall at the Halloween parade in New York. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. And it's a great camera angle, too, from high above and behind this huge skeleton head. We see lots of people on the street. Most are costumed. And we see lots of skeleton heads, bones. And we remember the dead are alive. And I love it as the camera swoops down to street level. We see a white-suited skeleton-masked man with a red tie and a white fedora. Most of the other costumes are dark, and he's walking in the opposite direction of the parade. Yeah, now take a close look at that tie. It almost looks like it's supposed to look like a rose or maybe a heart. Ooh. It is in the middle of the chest, and it's set off very nicely with that white suit and the black shirt. He really stands out even in that crowd. But that red thing right in the middle, the red tie, I kind of think it's supposed to be his heart. There's some beautiful, what looks like single-take work in the, the beginning of the sequence that we're, we're decoding here. Yeah. yeah. As, as this guy's walking on, we see a skeleton-suited man with a top hat and a skeleton mask and a woman walking. And the camera stays on them. So they're also walking in the opposite direction of the others in the parade. Hmm. I'm thinking, all right, the white-suited guy's walking in the opposite direction. These two people are walking in the opposite direction. Their gait is confident. You can see it in their strides, especially the skeleton man. 
he's in the lead as he holds her hand with his arm in front of hers. So he's definitely the leader here. They turn left into this building and we see a sign on the wall, Dia de Muertes, the Day of the Dead. Oh, okay, Mexico City does have a Day of the Dead parade now. <laughs> they didn't then. <laughs> Usually November 2nd. Okay, hey, November 1st is All Souls Day in the Catholic Church, so a Day of the Dead November 2nd. Okay, that makes sense. But it's about a two-hour parade and in real life. And the idea is basically to make offerings to the dead, family members, friends, whatever. And it's a party. It's really a celebration of life and death. Ah. So, we, so we see another parade that's a party in a Bond movie. Go yeah. figure. Yeah. Right? We have the Junkanoo in Thunderball. Yeah which is another one of these parade party kind of things. So Bond really likes to do these parades. Yeah, do most good. It's a good place to hide. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So nothing in an Ian production Bond movie is just filling, really. A celebration of life and death. Whose life will we be celebrating? Or whose death will we be lamenting? Or will we be celebrating a death? <laughs> <laughs> Bond is an assassin and the blunt instrument of the government, as Fleming called them. So, all right, let's see what's going to happen in this celebration of life and death. <laughs> well, he certainly looks like he's celebrating with his companion. Yes. yes. There's a celebration going on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, the two of them enter the building. They ride up an elevator together. Who are they? We still don't know who they are. What are they doing? We don't know. Why is the camera following them? And what happened to the white-suited man with the skeleton? Again, they're walking up the stairs. Wait, wait, so let me stop you because you keep asking these questions and every time we do these pre-title things, we start talking about, they're showing us all this stuff and we don't know what the hell's going on at the beginning. No. We don't know who these people are because there's a mask on them, so we're not sure. Right. Uh, and so this is just another example of how they obscure things at the beginning to keep our our attention. Yeah. Wait, are you saying the James Bond movies are about secrets? <laughs> well, this is openings a secret are... agent. Oh, okay. Oh, see, see, I, I wasn't sure if I, I read that in the in the text, but I'm glad they remind us of this with the openings. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just yeah, it's it's that cool espionage sort of in media ray opening where okay what's happening and we're being introduced to the new mission yeah yep. yeah yeah right yeah so they're walking up the stairs again here and everyone else is coming down the stairs again opposite direction kind of thing so something contrarian is happening here <laughs> is it tenant tell me it's tenant it's tenant isn't it yeah kind of yeah exactly we got <laughs> oh. we've got a time shift going on here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so we see this again. So they're walking in the opposite direction. So they did it in the parade. The white-suited guy did it. Now they're doing it again up the stairs. So there's something going on here. They're standing out from the crowds and doing something opposite of what we expect everyone else is doing in the parade. Ah, the pre-title sequence here has us guessing now. That's perfect. That is exactly what it's supposed to be doing. What is going on? Two and a half minutes in, and not a word spoken that we can clearly hear anyway. I mean, there's mumbles and stuff over the uh, the crowds, but wow. And of course, whatever that lady's whispering into this gentleman's ear obviously isn't uh, something you would do in a parade. Unless <laughs> you're in a more opening, per, open, maybe permissive society, but even then yeah. uh, personal morals and uh, uh, consciousness kind of get in the way. But yeah. uh, obviously it's, it, it, 
it's that po- at that point right there we kind of know who we're dealing with at this point yes. if the lady whispering doesn't tell you <laughs> who this guy is then yeah just yeah. wait 30 seconds yeah well, that's and right she take, and she takes the key out of her bra again yeah. another seductive kind of thing for us here so yeah this this is very likely going to yeah. be bond here. yeah so they're, they they walk onto the elevator and they get they get on and they're going up and now you can see the man's eyes and they, the eyes look familiar <laughs> piercing blue is it bond it's we're starting to think as mike said all the stuff going on yeah this might be bond the woman looks longingly at him so now okay now we're thinking this is bond <laughs> removes the room key like tom said from her bra and whispers something sensuous into his ear okay all right the guy behind the mask it's bond it's gotta be hi that's revealed to be tanner <laughs> <laughs> it's him judy dunn joe and i got you back what <laughs> happened <laughs> So the dead, the dead are alive. <laughs> uh, I love it when the elevator stops. She puts her hand on his chest and takes the lead from him. So now she's leading, and she's leading him down the hall to a room. Obviously, she just took the key out of there. They cross the path of other walkers, and she opens her hotel room. The room number is three twenty-seven. For some reason. Lots of things happen on the third on the third floor of hotels in Bond movies, or or in the three hundreds at least room number range in Bond movies. I don't know why. It, like in Quantum of Solace, the room number in Haiti, um, I think it was three twenty five. In Thunderball in NASA, Bond's hotel room was three hundred four, and Bond's room in For Your Eyes Only, three hundred at the Miramonte. But <laughs> I guess it's not always on the third floor, but. It seems like there's something to that. Okay, culturally, the bar is usually on that floor. (laughs) There you go. And I think I just got a homework assignment from you, Dan. Where, (laughs) what are all the movies where the third floor is used in a James Bond movie? Yeah, that that'll be interesting. In fact, when you said that, I was I got back to Bourne, and where Bourne does the kill that's at the start, really, of what happens to his legacy. Yeah, yeah. But that's on the fifth floor. Ah, so. I was hoping I was it was hoping, a third. I was hoping, but it wasn't. It was and we third. now have to check which floor Dominic Green was on in Quantum of Solace when yes. he got his ass handed to him. Yes. Ah, yes, yes. That's a good one, too. We got to check that, Tom. All right. Okay. All right. All right, back to the action. <laughs> and here's where the real action begins. The Day of the Dead Parade was interesting, a festival of celebration, but what are we doing in Mexico? All right. In the room, they both remove their masks, and yes... The skeleton man is James Bond. Okay. Shocking. That's <laughs> yeah. not him. I've so, been on that wrong horse. Yeah. <laughs> so what are we doing in Mexico? And now what is James Bond doing in Mexico? On holiday? It's not looking like it. <laughs> ah, then they kiss and she walks seductively over towards the bed and lies down on it facing Bond. Now we're thinking this is going to be good. Maybe he is on holiday. But in the meantime, Bond has slipped out of his costume and he's in his suit with his costume in hand, which he tosses down, revealing a weapon slung over his shoulder. Okay. Okay. That gun wasn't <laughs> under his costume. Where the hell did he get the gun? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> it just Now, if this was his his room, he might it might have been laying there and he just picked it up, but they don't show you that. All of a sudden, he's just got a gun on his shoulder. 
Yeah, and it's her room, so I don't know. I mean, it was a bulky skeleton suit, so he may have had it slung over his back. Maybe I, I've looked at this a couple times, and you do not see a—you do not see any bulges off that shoulder. We did get some back shots of him, so yeah, yeah. There Tom, were there were no bulges there. Tom, what are you going to tell me next? That Daniel Craig wasn't under that costume the whole time? <laughs> oh my God! Don't say that. <laughs> it wasn't a stand-in for that, was there? Well, I don't know. But it, it, you know, it just felt good in the moment. It was it was a gag, you know. I, as committed as Daniel Craig is to this, I probably was him. Oh yeah, I'm sure um, it was. Yeah, he's just walking. At least it wasn't some scary thing he was doing and breaking his ankles and legs. Uh, yeah, but... well, th that uh, that changed this whole sequence. Yes, because of uh, you know, that wonderful being James Bond documentary. We right. sort of learned that. And yes. Yeah. Yeah, that they had to totally redesign it because his leg was really hurt. Uh, yeah. <sighs> yep, yeah. absolutely. So, where are you going, she asks, because he looks like he's exiting the room. I won't be long, he says, as he steps out of a window and then over the railing and begins his really confident walk really high above the street on narrow building edges, coolly adjusting his cufflinks. I love that. <laughs> And his shirt yeah, cuffs. He's got to shoot the cuffs. And his shirt cuffs. <laughs> and then literally the whole time he's thinking, don't let, don't give out, don't give out with his leg. Yeah, really. Yeah. 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 That exactly. was kind of watching that. Yeah. That, well, especially after watching Being James Bond, that documentary. Yeah. It puts this in, in different light than the first time you see it. Yeah. What I love about this, though, is the look on her face when yes. he walks out and says, I won't be long. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like, what do you have better to do? She was smiling. She's thinking this is going to get good. And all of a sudden, boom, he leaves. Yeah. Uh, it, it was great. It's a great shot. And, and while he's walking, you notice he puts an earpiece in to his right ear. And okay, this you, is another thing. He Where'd he get the gun? Where'd he get this earpiece? Yeah, the earpiece. I mean, just magically appears. In okay, the earpiece could hang in a pocket. Yeah, well, yeah. True. I'm with Mike on that one. That could go anywhere. I mean, you know, what the heck. But Earpieces are much smaller than guns. It's science. Yeah, the assault yeah. rifle was a little bigger. <laughs> so <laughs> there's about, he's walking for like 45, 50 seconds high above the street. And at one point, he even jumps across a two or three foot gap between the buildings. <laughs> Oh, he did that. As he readies his rifle, as he gets to the edge of one building right across from another building. So what's he doing? All right, he's got a rifle. Wait, There's wait, a... wait. Before you get into the, I got a right. <laughs> he's got a rifle. It's, he's, what's he doing? He's dressed differently how I would have dressed for what he's going to do. I mean, he's dressed like he's ready to go out on the town. You know, he's looking really dapper there. He's got the pocket square. He shoots those cuffs that we talked about. He does not look like he's on a mission to go shoot somebody. True. But didn't Timothy Dalton also dress similarly in a sequence that is very reminiscent of this <laughs> in License to Kill? Uh, no, yeah, that's true. I yeah. believe he was in full tuxedo when he was saying, watch the birdie, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good point. Yeah. He's dressed, <laughs> he's dressed to kill. <laughs> Come on. Oh, oh boom. Hi. Hi. <laughs> All right. Yeah. He then aims the rifle at a window of the building right across the street from him, definitely reminding us, like you said, Mike, a license to kill, right? Boom. When he was going to blow up the window, it was a secure armor window or whatever. He was yeah. going to blow it up with the... Yeah, it was Armalite. Armalite <laughs> Dynamite Armalite toothpaste or whatever it yeah. was. All right. So so he's going to do... He's going to shoot somebody, apparently, 
across. Yeah. The now remember also that Patrice shot that guy through the window across the street. You know, he used that glass cutter in Skyfall. Oh yeah. Right. And then we get my, one of my favorite sound effects ever yeah. when he pulls that glass cutter off yeah, that thing. Yeah, you hear that whooshing of the air. <laughs> right. Yeah. That again, shooting across the street to somebody through a window. Yeah. Beautiful sound design. Yeah. Oh, that was that's what like I said, that's one of my favorite sound effects ever in any Bond movie. Yeah. The sound effects in Bond movies generally are terrific. And it's it's odd they don't win more awards for that because damn, they're good. They're really good. All right. I know it's that weird middle ground where it's like they keep making them. We don't know when to give them the awards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give them some. All right. Yeah, really. So, we see the couple of men in this window across the gap there where he's looking into this window we see a couple of men speaking italian welcoming mr Sciara and hoping he had a good journey the one they are welcoming is a tall man in a white suit with a red tie we saw him in the beginning of the pre-title walking against the grain again the opposite direction in the crowd so there's why he's walking in the opposite direction this is a person of interest right bond they ended up both kind of going to about the same same place. Yeah. So, guy across the street, Mr. Sciara, removes his mask. He asks a question of one man in Italian. And he said, yeah, it's over there. And Sciara walks towards the window to a table. And what is it over there? Well, then the question is of Sciara, when do you want to blow the stadium? Whoa. Now we're thinking, hey, Bond <laughs> might be on a mission here to stop this detonation of a stadium. Woo. So now we're reminded, of course, that Bond put in this earpiece when he's walking into his sniper position and he's hearing this conversation somehow. I I don't know how he did that. How did he, did he plant a listening device on Seattle? No, no. Or his team or did. how did they no. do that? I, that's not, that's not what he did, Dan. No. So, is it a that, scope on his gun? Yeah, so the uh, gun, uh, ha you see from the gun, there's a, like a oh. bluish white light that comes out from it. Okay. And at first I thought that was a laser scope for, you know, looking at what he's looking at. But it's actually, I believe, a sound capturing device. So Leon Theremin, okay. who's probably best known for creating the musical instrument called a theremin, was involved in the, the development of this. Now, if you don't remember theremin, in the Beach Boys song, Good Vibration, that thing that goes, yeah. That's good. Um, that's, that's actually good done with that's you know done with like a hand moving up and down. It's really bizarre. Yeah, um, when he explained, it, I was going to jump in and say, "Ooh!" <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah. anyways, this theremin guy in 1947 headed a team that created a microphone that was called the Buran eavesdropping system for the Soviet Union, and it used infrared beams to capture sound from vibrations off of glass. And it's since been updated to use a laser beam. It does work. There are some huh. limitations. You'll actually see when you watch this, the glass, the, the, the beam kind of bouncing a little off the glass. And another thing you'll see here is there's some smoke or low clouds or fog or mm -hmm. something in the air by the window. Right. And there's a technique with these laser microphones that uses smoke to help them pick up the sound from the air. There was a patent for this device in 1996, 19, year, 19 years before Spectre saw the light of day. Sorry, I had to say, pun that. Yeah. Uh, the television show Burn Notice also used this device. So the cool thing is that these things exist. It wasn't made up just for this scene. Right. And Bond gets to use one here. And I bet most people didn't catch that's what was going on. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> so. Probably why people should be listening to spymovienavigator.com's decoding sequences. We, we look into this kind of thing. 
We do. All right. So the answer is coming back. Uh, what time he wants to blow the stadium? This evening at 6. We see Bond touching his earpiece to remind us again that he's listening in case we forgot <laughs> that he put the earpiece in while he was walking. All right. Yeah, and he's always yelling at other agents, don't touch the earpiece. Yeah. Don't touch your yeah, ear. Right. Yeah, here he is. <laughs> don't touch the ear. Host of, of the bloody weapon. <laughs> of course, they haven't seen him yet. So anyway, they wanted to make sure we knew it, just in case we missed it while he was walking, that he put it in. All right, all right, we get it. We get it. He's got the earpiece. So then we hear another voice. And the flight out of here? All arranged comes the response. Okay, so we had no idea what we were doing in Mexico watching all of this or why Bond is in Mexico. So now we're wondering, okay, is he really there to stop this stadium from getting blown up? It sounds like it. All right. To me, he looks surprised. Like, what? He kind of is listening and he's like, huh? Then then I'm thinking, what is he doing there? Why does he look surprised or shocked if he knew he was there to stop the stadium from getting blown up? So I'm a, I was a little confused there. So I don't know. Now, we, we know this Seattle guy and his team plan to blow the stadium up at six and fly out of the country. And the voice says, and then what? And Seattle, we think, he, he says, then I visit the Pale King. Now, when Bond looks perplexed, he's trying to figure out, I think maybe, what they're saying and what it means. And he looks away from the window in thought, which, yeah, he's taking his eyes off the target, which I thought was weird. <laughs> You shouldn't ever do that. I mean, this may be your only shot. But anyway, he does. He looks away. <laughs> More advice that Bond has given to other people that he ignores. <laughs> yes, he tells Camille at the end of Quantum Solace, you only have a shot, make it count. <laughs> I got pl- I've got plenty in the clip this time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's good. So we're thinking, wait, he didn't come to Mexico on assignment to stop the blowing up of the stadium? because he seems a little surprised by this. So what again is he doing there? Really, we have no idea what's going on at this moment, really. At, yeah, at, and I think at this moment's the important part of this because he doesn't really look confused until they say the name, the Pale King. And I think that's okay. a new name for somebody he doesn't recognize. Uh-huh. And and we don't know that he's there to stop blowing up the stadium. Right? I think he just learned about that. And his mission was to take Skara out. We don't have any backstory of it yet, and we don't know if MI6 heard that the stadium was about to be blown up. Yeah, we're assuming he's going to take Sierra out. We find out that really was his mission, but we find that out later in the movie. Right, right. So, again, we don't know about the stadium aspect, for sure, or his assignments, for sure yet, or what Bond really is planning to do there, other than maybe shoot this guy Sierra, like Tom just said. So, they clink their glasses in the window across the way, a toast, my friend, and... Bond rises a bit. He takes aim. He wants the guy in the white suit. Now it's becoming clear. He wants the guy in the white suit, Sierra. They cheer to death. Now, remember where we are. What a great cheer. (laughs) Remember where we are. Mexico City on the Day of the Dead Festival. These guys have some plan to blow up a stadium, presumably full of people for some reason, and they're cheering death. Hmm. Okay. Sounds like these guys are villains. Yeah. Yeah. Probably villains, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, probably all villains. So Bond's best line, well, one of the only ones you you hear in the pre-title sequence, really, when they're cheering to death, he says, bottoms up. (laughs) Right when he's about to fire. (laughs) Perfect Craig delivery. Yeah, it was. He was really Bond. 
by this movie. He he really had his Bond down great. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So he fight Bond fires looking like he hits everyone except the man in white. <laughs> but he hits what apparently was the bomb, apparently, or whatever, on the table because there's a huge, loud explosion outward, and the flames are blowing out, and the percussion is blowing out towards Bond. Yeah, so. now, hang on a second, though. Yeah, Before Bond fires, Sciarra blows smoke from his cigarette, yeah. and the light from that laser, sound laser thing, gets diffused, and Sciarra and the other guy that he's toasting with turn back to look at Bond. So if you mm. go back and watch this again... Because they saw the think, light? And you think about the fact that the light's picking up the sound, and the smoke helps diffuse the laser, they see a flash. It's very bright. It's very bright. It's very short. And they both turn to look at Bond. So I think what happens there is he's been busted. And the reason he's been busted is because of this diffusion of the laser. If you think about a stage show, when you see a stage show and there's all these lasers all over the place, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of smoke on the stage and in the auditorium when they're doing that. And that's so that the laser has something to be diffused with. Okay, yeah. They see the diffused light. They turn to Bond. He's got to do something at that instant. All right, so... I like that, but now that raises this question. Bond doesn't really care that they're going to be blowing up a stadium because he's not there for that. He's there to kill Chiara. So why is he listening to anything and blowing his cover with the light, the laser light, when he doesn't need to hear anything they're saying? Shoot the son of a bitch. (laughs) Because maybe it's him actually learning his lesson from the previous films. And I, I thought of, I was thinking of this because I've been going through the Craig run again. Okay. He has that overdeveloped trigger finger that gets him into trouble in Casino and Quantum. And yeah. now, while he it's still very much developed, he kind of learns where it's like, okay, I take out the bomb and the bomb maker. So, you know, it works this time. Yeah, oh wait, wait, something's going on. Okay, I'll listen for a little bit. I'll see if they say anything useful. Oh, stadium, oh, okay. So I got to kill this guy and stop this. No problem. James Bond. Uh, just added on to his mission. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll run with that. <laughs> All right. After Bond ducks, because he sees the building across the way is collapsing and it's collapsing towards him. So he's got to run for it. All right. For a double O agent, this seems to be a poor plan. <laughs> Executed totally poorly. Neat. Which totally knocked me back when I saw this for the first time in IMAX. Like that explosion, like you're just expecting, yes. shoot, 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 guys go down. Okay, right. explosion yes. is like, oh, And things collapse. just falling at you. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. It was a great explosion. And I love the building yeah. falling at him. I mean, visually, it's, it's stunning. All right. We're just adding more dead to the day of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we see now the white-suited guy is on the street, so he didn't get killed. He didn't get shot, and he didn't die in the explosion. He got out of the building somehow. So now Bond sees the building collapsing on him. And again, by the way, the clock on the wall there says five minutes to five. Now, Dan, I've talked in many of these podcasts about the fact that Bond tends to have continuity problems. (laughs) Not in this scene. I was actually blown away from it because you know this scene wasn't one take right in terms of some of the some of the shots they had here yeah right? so if you look at his watch in the scene yeah his omega says 455 huh? the same time the building falls nice and it's consistent for the few seconds you see it huh. while the men are talking and bond is listening and That's that 
normally in a Bond movie, I would think we'd see different times on the watch. Yeah. So I was, I actually applaud them for getting that right. Oh, that's good. All right. I like that. That's impressive. Truly an, truly an era of continuity. <laughs> <laughs> So Bond's running, he's struggling, he's hanging on to things, he falls down a story or so, but he lands on a nice two-seater cushy couch. <laughs> All right, it's Bond. All right, we're going to let that Would've go. Would have been a good time for a one-liner. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, and I you I'll wonder, was here. there one there that they cut? <laughs> yeah. You know? well, I guess the- I'll crash here. <laughs> he opens the door and he, there's debris falling all around and flying everywhere. He sees Shiara stumbling in the dust and debris. It's like, okay, hang on a second. So yeah. we just saw a building fall down in Casino Royale. Yeah. I mean, this isn't that much later. That I mean, did they really need to reuse that concept so soon? I mean, it's a cool effect, but give us something new. It's not the whole building, though. It's like a portion of it. Yeah. So, and plus, it's this is a more immediate explosion versus, oh, the building's just kind of sinking because it's propped up on, on bags. It's like, nope, no, there's a pretty big explosion. that We have a reason. Yeah, we yeah, have a reason. That's true. Okay, so they've ramped it up a little bit here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, reading Chris Corbell talking about uh, the special effects supervisor talking about how much he loves record-breaking explosions. I'm not surprised. Yeah. It was a good explosion. It was beautiful. And like you said, yeah. an IMAX. Wow. That's... Yeah. And plus there's just this beautiful practicality mixed with the obvious, you know, there's got to be some digital elements to it, but just mixing it with the very practical nature that Bond loves to embrace. It just, it plays. It plays so beautifully. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So now they're on the street. Sierra and Bond. Mano a mano. <laughs> and in Italian, Sierra means quarrel or dispute. So again, <laughs> I... I give credit to the writers for Eon because nothing is left uh, by chance. So I love here's, character names in the Bond universe. Yeah. Yes. Quarrel or dispute. It's like, okay, this is good. I love that. And we see how this quarrel turns out soon. <laughs> Shiata sees Bond and he starts to run. Why? This is a question I had. It's like, does he know it was Bond who was after him and well, was second, shooting though. at him? What, when you saw the laser flash in the cigarette smoke, yeah. They turned and looked at Bond, so they saw him across the street. So they could identify his face. Yeah, so he—I mean—he was there. He wasn't hiding because yeah. right? he was taking his shot, so his face was right there. Yeah, so right. I have a he problem. He knows Bond was the guy with the gun. Yeah, I guess I don't know, but we're going to assume that's true. <laughs> I will. There's questions here, gentlemen. I don't know if I feel comfortable with this. All right, now there are many confused people on the street, and once again, Bond is running through them in the opposite direction. He's in pursuit of Shiara in a crowd. It's hard to do. You got to try to follow someone in a crowd. But he's Bond, who wouldn't be in this mess had he planned better and had taken a better shot. <laughs> well, you say better shot. Remember, we don't know what his mission is at this point, right? We don't well, know he's that he's after he was the there. guy in the white he's, suit. But we don't know that, right? We we are. He's running told after him. Until, well, no, but I'm saying when you're talking about when he misses people taking his shot, that he missed them. We don't know that that was his mission at this point. We don't find that out until later in the movie. He killed three guys, all three that he shot at, <laughs> that he aimed at. He also re-aimed lower that ended up shooting out the briefcase with the bomb in it. Now, my question is, did he know there was a bomb there? But he hit what he aimed at. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he knew a bomb was there. Because I don't, I don't know. the building started. Yeah, no, I think he was surprised with the bomb. But he did miss this guy who he's now chasing on the street. So he sees him. The foot chase is good. I think it was a believable foot chase. It was, it was nice. It was entertaining. We see lots of scenes or the parade. It's still going on. You know, people are still in the parade. 
you know, there's different parts of the parade. It's a long parade, probably. Some part people didn't know the building blew up and collapsed or whatever. So, okay, I'll well, buy that. I, I like your use of the word chase here, <laughs> especially again after watching Being James Bond, the documentary. <clears throat> yeah. It's a slow chase. Yeah. They're not running. Yeah. Right? For a reason. They're trying to, <laughs> both trying to blend in with the crowd, but keep moving. But this isn't a foot race. This is really cat and mouse game almost. Yeah, like he starts out with like a sort of brisk run as much as he can. Yes. And But then it does eventually become, again, like Thunderball, where they're just sort of weaving in and out of this parade and trying to... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Trying to make chase and, and get to their objective, which is a, a pretty big objective we soon learn. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> a very noisy objective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, eventually... This helicopter is is flying in, and it's coming to lift Sierra out of there. And of course, Bond manages to get on the helicopter, like he got on the blimp in *A View to a Kill*, the seaplane in *License to Kill*. <laughs> yeah. He just For good many at that. flying objects. Yes, <laughs> he's just good at that. All right, there are some great close-up shots of Sierra's face running past skeleton-faced people and reminding us again that this is the day of the dead. We just saw some people getting killed and it just seems Shiata doesn't want to be one of them. <laughs> I mean, who does really? Yeah, exactly. exactly. All right. So there's this great scene of the helicopter landing right in the middle of the crowd. Kind of like the parting of the crowd is like a ripple rolling from the center to the outer rims when a stone is dropped in a pool of water. It's really nice cinematography here, that, that whole idea of that. And so the copter lands, and Sierra is running towards it. Someone leaps off the Wait, helicopter. Let me, stop, let me stop you for a second. Sure. Is that crowd real people, or was that done with CGI? Do we know? I think, I think the crowd was real people, and then there was a mix of plates filmed with the real people, and then some CGI for the, they did the chopper stunt. And I think they did the chopper stunt practically to a certain extent, and then kind of CGI melded it together, okay. along with some other CG bits and pieces like when they're fighting in the chopper i think that's also like on a cg set but right yeah i could be wrong it's been a while since i've dug into the special features for specter but it's yeah there's some stuff in there yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think and it is it is cool how they separate because if it really was real people and not cgi stuff that you know it's like if, you, if you're there i i'd be knocking somebody over to get the heck out of the way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that, is, that remember, would have to be some sort of hazard pay scenario yes yeah i remember once a lot of vic borrow the guy who was in oh, remember that yeah. he got killed by a helicopter blade flying yeah. off the helicopter yeah. cut in half the on twilight's on the movie right yep. anyway yeah I, i'm with you i'd be out here. of the way i'd be getting out of the way too yeah. all right so anyway someone jumps off the helicopter to kind of help tiara and Bond is right behind him, takes a skull stick out of somebody's hand. I like that. And then whacks the guy helping Sierra. It's like, boom. Then proceeds to follow Sierra onto the helicopter, of course. So we can have an onboard fight. We have to have one of those. So, I mean, we haven't had a helicopter fight for a while, have we? For your eyes only. Yeah. Hey. This was like for your eyes only on steroids. <laughs> yes, it is. For some reason, which I didn't know, Bond is also fighting with the pilot. <laughs> That seems to me a, a bad idea, especially with thousands of people just below. And the guy is actually flying it. So why would you be fighting with him? Because you're fighting two guys. Take out the other guy first, Sierra, and then do whatever you want with the pilot. But Maybe hold him at gunpoint. Yeah. Where's his gun? He lost it, I guess. In Get the... us somewhere safely where I can kick your ass. <laughs> That's more of a Pierce Brosnan uh, impression. But still, I'll stand by it. <laughs> 
wasn't that bad. I love it. Uh, all right. I mean, there is a pilot here, and yet for some reason, he cannot get the helicopter up and out of the crowd and above the buildings. Meanwhile, the fight is going on outside of the helicopter, and Bon and Sierra are on the landing runner fighting now. Wow. Okay, that's that's impressive. That may have been a, a Pinewood Studio thing, I think. But wow, what's the pilot doing? You fly helicopters. Get the helicopter under control. <laughs> no one's bothering you. Standard operating procedure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, it's going in circles and stuff, the helicopter. And the, uh, what are the gears jammed or something? The bond jammed them? See, I thought he was doing that circle thing to try to throw Bond off balance there right? yeah because... but he could throw sierra off balance too and then he's really in trouble <laughs> well yeah i mean they both of those guys ended up outside of the helicopter because of this maneuver so mm. maybe the, the pilot was just trying to get rid of bond and yeah. if sierra went to oh well that part of the mission's done for him but he's he keeps going well bond finally does land a really good punch and, and he <laughs> on sierra and he he rustles this ring off of sierra's bloody middle finger as the pilot reaches into his console for a pistol finally <laughs> just shoot him yeah do i shoot or do i fly <laughs> so hard i got him inside oh. so now bond is wrestling with the pilot's arm of course to get the pistol pointed away from him okay that's a good plan on bond's part <laughs> get the pistol pistol pointed away from you the helicopter, again, out of control. It's making loops. Like, this is it for Bond and company. He's going to, obviously, going to die. Yeah, now, <laughs> I love this loop-to-loop -loop that the helicopter does. I mean, okay. that is a fantastic stunt because it's not super fast, and it just goes up and around, and it. That, I think that is just so cool. Yeah, and I, I think, okay, this is it. Bond's dead. I mean, he's going to die in this pre-title sequence again. But no, no. He kicks Sierra out of the helicopter supposedly to his death and now he has the pilot to deal with now you have to deal with the pilot okay all right that's good plan that's a good plan i would have pulled a weapon retrieved the pilot's gun or whatever and told the pilot to land this damn thing safely or somewhere and i won't kill you that's what i would have yeah but <laughs> we, we, him pulling a gun would be kind of interesting because he had the rifle on the roof yeah. We never see that he's got his Walther on him. No. But and the, the the pistol that the pilot retrieves kind of looked to me like a flare gun, not a pistol. Well, a flare gun held at your head. I think you'd listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously still going to get the point across, especially if it goes right in your chest or yeah, anywhere, that's, really. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. All right. Or, yeah. The, or, the flare, or the flare across, not the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, it, and secondly, if I was in the crowd below, I would have been long gone. I wouldn't be standing there watching this thing. <laughs> what the hell are you thinking? You know? Yeah, you might they look think for it's a show. Yeah. Well, that could be. And or uh, you'd watch for a second or two, and then go, "Ah, this doesn't look right. I'm out of here." Yeah. Oh, cool. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. There's this two second lull where Bond looks like he's knocked out, and literally, literally, it's about two seconds. But then he's back on top of the pilot and eventually throws him out of the helicopter, too. It's like, well, two seconds, you're thinking, what happened there? And then, bam, uh, no worries. He's, he's fine. I don't get that. I would have just skipped that two seconds and just, like, you know, let him fight the pilot. All right. So, he, of course, Bond gains control of the helicopter, much to the happiness of the people still watching below. <laughs> All part of the act. And, uh, yeah, and then with a little sun on his face, he kind of smirks. 
I'd smirk too if I had to almost crash that helicopter. I mean, it'd be like, yeah, we did it. I'd probably yeah. smoke too. Yeah. Bond knows how to fly any kind of uh, aerial device. It doesn't matter if it's a plane, a helicopter, or whatever. He knows how to fly it. He knows how to drive anything, caterpillar, tractors, and whatever. It doesn't matter. He's that good. The man burst through walls. <laughs> yeah. He can do anything. Except yeah, love. he reminded Except me of love. the uh, Hawaiian fruit punch guy. Uh, the Kool-Aid guy. The Kool-Aid guy. Yep. That was, that was definitely a meme back in the day where someone dubbed yes. that audio over that gif. Yeah. Yep. That's good. That's good. So now he's looking at the ring he took off of Shiara's uh, finger, with, and it has an octopus on it. Okay, so how many Bond movies do we see a ring with an octopus on it? Mm-hmm. And how many of them were there after Thunderball? Yes. Because know. of contractual obligations prevent Spectre from ever entering the modern age of James Bond. I don't know. <laughs> well Kevin Corey. <laughs> well said. So, you know, we, we've seen it in the past. If you think about it in, in Thunderball, you see octopus ring on Fiona Volpe mm-hmm. and on and on Blofeld. Mm-hmm. Now they were different style than the ones here, but there yeah. were rings with octopuses. Octopi, it was that gigantic octopi. sort of circular ring with like yes. the, the elongated octopus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I like this redesign though. Yes, I do too. I think it's, <laughs> it's much nice. it's much it's clean. Much more subtle. It's so clean. Yes. Yes it is. So the camera gets closer and closer. Mm-hmm on this octopus yeah. until it morphs beautifully into the title sequence with the octopus bursting into orange flames yeah. while the Sam Smith song is playing Writings on the Wall. Yeah. I love I love that song. I yes. hate that song. I love that song. The Writings on the, the Wall. I'm in the love category too. It says so much. The writings on the Wall. And, and really, it, it yeah. is. The, the lyrics are fine. It is on the wall for Bond. I just don't like the song. Especially, well, I love that literally there is a moment like that later on. Yes. But also just the, the content of the lyrics is definitely indicative of where the series is going and ultimately the romantic angle that presents itself. That's yeah, true. Yeah, that's Like true. I said, the lyrics are fine. I just don't like the song, the music part of it. This is a very good title sequence, both graphically with the octopus symbol, the flames, the steam, the music. And I'll, fla- give it, I'll give you all that up to the music part, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> and the flashbacks to the other Craig Bond movies showing Vesper, Le Chiffre, Silva. I like that. I like those connective tissue things in these movies. Yeah, so, I mean, it's very much like what they did in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. Showing the connection between yes. the other Bond movies. I thought that was very well done. Yeah. And even just that beautiful line, a million shards of glass that haunt me from my past. Yeah. Well, we also have to remember there was a thought that this was going to be Daniel's last. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. Def- of, it was very uncertain. Yeah, he was that this might be his last run as Bond. So was that kind of trying to tie things up a little bit too? Yeah, and I, I like that they end the title sequence. Now we didn't go into all the stuff in the title sequence, but I like that they ended the title sequence again with the octopus ring and a close up of it, just like it began the title sequence. So that was kind of a nice little closure. It came full circle. And it tells us very, you know, slaps us in the face. Let's see. We have the name of the movie is Spectre. We've got the octopus rings. Hmm. Who might we be seeing in a little bit? (laughs) Yeah. As if those alarm bells didn't already go off when they made that and made the title announcement. Yes. I remember sitting there watching it. I got up early when they did the, the announcement and then they just start the, they start the bond theme 
You see that crack in the glass. It looks like an octopus. Oh no, yep. no, the title slowly reveals itself. And then the crack in the glass, the octopus is like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Is someone coming out to play finally? <laughs> and then Christoph Waltz is announced as uh, being cast as, as Franz Oberhauser. And it's like, mm. sure, <laughs> Franz Oberhauser, Franz yeah. Oberhauser. <laughs> well now, is he coming back? Because this is the Daniel Craig reboot. And so if it's truly the reboot and it started with Casino Royale, has all of the Blofeld stuff ever happened before? Yeah. I mean, although later in the movie, he kind of talks like it did. So the timeline here does get kind of convoluted. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole Craig timeline gets convoluted because he goes from a double O agent getting his double O status in Casino Royale, which you assume, okay, is the beginning. It was the first Fleming novel to he's an old man and retiring inspector and no time to die. So I was like, now what? Okay. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> So I like the pre-title sequence, even though we have no idea what's going on or why. And the title sequence is rich with images, colors, the haunting music of Sam Smith. But if the writing's on the wall, I still can't read it because <laughs> really, we have no idea what's going on here still. It's an interpretive dance, okay? <laughs> with fire and octopuses and sky wall, people falling from the sky. And some absolutely yeah, beautiful stunts. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's, a, it's a great stunt scene. All right. And, you know, and Sam Mendes, he's a great director. And again, we really don't know what's going on, why Bond's in Mexico, who Sierra is, etc., until the movie actually begins. But at least in the pre-title sequence here, it has something to do with the rest of the mission in the movie, unlike Goldfinger and <laughs> some of the other ones where it was just like kind of a mini, mini movie in itself. You know, it's kind of like, okay. Oh, yeah, watch that's that. another one of those beautiful Craig era touches where it isn't just fun for the sake of fun. It's like, no, we're actually good. This, we're, we're leading to something here. Yeah. Stay with us. Yeah. So, of course, we know that M, before she died in Skyfall, recorded a cryptic video message for Bond saying basically to track down a man named Marco Sierra and kill him and to attend the funeral. That is what he was doing in Mexico City, of course. But when the movie begins, it becomes clear he was not there on this official MI6 business or assignment. She she knew the thread of of Spectre and, and Franz Oberhauser's presence, and that's why in her effects was also his like adoption records from Hans Oberhauser. Yeah. When his parents passed. That's true. All right. couple. There you have it. Wow. The that... pre-titled to Spectre. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Bond was doing in Mexico. Not officially on a mission but on a personal vendetta, which he has done often in Bond movies, but here to fulfill M's wishes. So there's a Bond who's got your back though. That's what I liked about this. He's like, the hell in MI6, M, who I loved and respected, told me to do this, I'm going to do it. So Bond's got her back, I love that. Sierra is tracked down and killed just like M wanted and all in the pre-title with parades, parties, costumes, bond stalking and shooting Sierra, a foot chase, a flight aboard a spinning helicopter, all in the pre-title sequence. Then that is a wrap. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. You can't wrap this yet. Okay. There's one thing hanging out there. What? What about the girl he left on the bed? He said he <laughs> wouldn't be long. He never gets back to her. Who do you think he was flying to with the helicopter? Ah, that could be. Flying back to the room. (laughs) I figured I'd sweep you off your feet. (laughs) Did I impress you? (laughs) 
as we had said, this is the era of Craig where nothing is filler, everything has its own sort of connection. And the real question is, how do we blow it up? How do we fly it? How yeah. do we thrill the people? Yeah. And that's exactly what this does right up front. Absolutely. All right, that's a wrap. This has been Dan Silvestri. And Tom Pizzotto. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com. And Mike Reyes of CinemaBlend.com. Great. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Subscribe to our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies, in your favorite podcast app. And on YouTube, too. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Thanks a ton, Mike. We appreciate you joining us Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Anytime, gentlemen. Thank you. This has been a, a complete delight. It's been fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. Tell a friend about our show. We appreciate it.